0: You for listening to this message from the North Gate. In this house, not just this man, but this man and woman of God mean the world to us. And so as I announce him, she is a major part of who he is. And his sons are with us, Elijah and Judah. Will you honor our apostle Damon Thompson and Mama Tammy Thompson tonight? Love you love you, love you, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can be seated, thank you very much. I think it sounds really good, Ty. So, we should be good, buddy. Thank you. I, uh, I'm going to dive right in tonight because that's how I like to live. And we're going to start in Matthew 13. So, I want you to turn with me to Matthew 13. But I want to lay the preface for where we're going tonight by saying some things specifically to the North Gate. And I know we have a lot of people here from other places and we love that because we're able to gather part of the cosmic family. Um, And when we gather the cosmic family like this, it's always a special time, it's a significant time. Yet I'm able to come into these houses that are so joined and connected to Tammy and I that I can't hardly do it without speaking into the specific DNA of the particular house. And I, I can look back over the years at the process of these seven years of having been visiting this city and, and, a, and a number of more years than that, having walked with Jimmy and Tina and the sense of what I feel, Bobby was in here today, I know he, no, he won't mind me sharing this, but in, in here praying during the day, he saw honeycombs all over the room and out of the honeycombs was coming wine, water, and honey, wine, water, and honey. Well, I went back and looked at my notes. Five weeks ago, I was in a Tuesday morning prayer meeting in Mobile, and I went to Apostle Aaron and said, I see honeycombs all over the room. And he is a genius when it comes to numbers, when it comes to shapes, when it comes to letters. And so he said the honeycomb is the perfect structure. It's the absolute perfect shape. And the glory of the structure of Mobile, Alabama got seen in Streetsboro, Ohio today. Feel it all over me right now. There we go. What Bobby saw, not knowing that I had seen that in Mobile, was a witness. This house has gotten so joined that you are now not just receiving your wine, not just receiving (laughs) your water, not just receiving your honey, but you have tapped into that lineage by way of honor. And you are right. You honor well. You honor extremely well. You have a heart that is thankful. And, and I have a thanksgiving for you. I pick on you and give you a hard time. I don't know why you're so hard on yourself, but um, I pick on you and give you a hard time. That's my love language. My, my, those that are closest to me know that. But I am so proud of where I sense that you are. And I feel like now that the perfect structure is in place, you're moving away from implementing infrastructure and you're moving into flow. Wine flowing. Was it wine, water, and honey? Wine, water, and honey. We know the representation, prophetic representation of that is pretty clear. But I really believe that there's been a... Uh, it's almost as if, you know, seven years ago, we came and announced what we announced, and 10 years ago, this ministry began, but it's almost as if you're just now getting started. And the, the, the champion in that story, of course, is Tina and her lovely assistant, Jimmy, the, the champions in those stories are these two that said yes to an extraordinarily difficult process. And they refused to just be gifted people. And they refused to just be a preacher and a singer. And they refused to be people that just knew how to grow a ministry. And they became a son and they became a daughter And in that, they became a father and they became a mother. And I am of the persuasion that if I lived within driving distance of this place, I would not hesitate to join my family to this man and this woman. The the strength of who they are. And it's not just because there haven't been challenges. It's because there was no heart to try to do an end around, to skirt the challenge, but it was to stare at it. And in November, a new birth happened in Jimmy. And it's been a beautiful journey to walk with him in that and know that his, my March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, 2009 became 2022 for Jimmy Lovejoy. And once that starts, the fire is lit and you'll never have to light it again. This house will now go from glory to glory. You'll now go from glory to glory and strength to strength. So I say concerning you I've said this before but and and it was true then but it's even the more so true now you've made it and you've made it into this place where the striving has ended and the rest has come and now the enjoyment of inheritance is upon you and you are going to be crowned with inheritance like you've never imagined or dreamed was possible. And that that you've had to strive for in the past will now be delivered to you as an inheritance because you've set yourself to fully just be a son and a daughter, a mother and a father. This city did not need another preacher and this city did not need another worship leader. They needed someone to parent them by the Spirit. And that is what is upon us. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the kids just so amazing. Me and we talked, me and Buggy talked a little bit about his future wrestling career. I saw a tannin in bed and some steroids in his future. We're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna start doing some of this wrestling that makes money. Instead of this kind and make you wear a unitard around. We're gonna get you in some real wrestling. Wrestling. He said, I'm not really feeling that. He said, I'm not really feeling that. But He's not old enough to understand what I mean when I say money. (laughs) Go ask The Rock if you should get a spray tan and some steroids. All right. (laughs) Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read something that I've written and then I'm going to go into some teaching I've never been in before by way of a dream I had right before we left to come here. So let me read this to you and then we'll just see where the Holy Spirit takes us. Uh, throughout the evening. I don't really have a, a set agenda. I never do have a set agenda, but I certainly don't come in into a gathering like this. And uh, I don't know what the Father is up to, but I know that we, there's a real, you know, when, when when you've got some of your most significant sons that are your most significant brothers that weren't planning on being here and at the last minute knew they had to come and start rearranging stuff to be here, it's a witness to me that the father is wanting to do something extraordinary in this couple of days. maybe it won't maybe it'll be more than a couple of days. who knows, but we're up for whatever. we're just jumping in. Thank you, BB. You the man. My dad was BB 's football coach in high school. He wouldn't let him wear a helmet to practice <laughs> because he would injure that's not, I'm not being funny. He could not wear a helmet to practice because he would absolutely dismantle his own teammates. In love, of course, it was perfect love always. Um, We're going to go to Matthew 13, but let me read this to you first. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil and ended his authority. Now the Holy Spirit authorizes you and I to function in our authority. If we abdicate that authority, then the enemy is permitted to use what you and I leave lying around. Us not knowing who the Holy Spirit is empowering us to be and what the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do has devastating consequences. The purpose of this theological promotion is not to educate our minds and fill our heads with right doctrines, but rather to equip us to engage in a higher measure of relational fellowship. The Greek word for truth is not doctrine, but reality. It's how truth plays out relationally that matters. It's quite a statement. It's how truth plays out relationally that matters. It's not the acquisition of more superficial head knowledge. I'm receiving a personal breakthrough that is not possible without an elevated Trinitarian theology. However, the breakthrough is not an intellectual breakthrough, but a breakthrough in the arena of intimacy. Saying this, we then understand that we are not being equipped for elevated intellectual endeavors. Nor are we being equipped to pontificate about things that are incapable of being understood by even the most novice among us. But rather, we are being reconditioned for an increased level of intimacy, in this case, with the Holy Spirit. The finished work of Christ has been one of my principal points of influence, especially since 2009. Let me say it again, the finished work of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Then how do I reconcile this with the Holy Spirit being the finisher of the curse? The finishing is, and I'm answering that question. Maybe I should make that clear. How do I reconcile Jesus and his finished work with the Holy Spirit being the finisher of the curse. That's out of John 14, brought out clearly in parakaleo, paracletos, parakletos, paraclete. As we look into the translation, Dr. Simmons helps us in those footnotes. How do I reconcile the finished work of Christ with the Holy Spirit being the finisher of the curse? I reconcile it like this. The finishing is fully accomplished, but the evidence of this finished work is waiting on you and I as the first fruits of the new creation to come into our full status as sons. This immersion into assurance happens by way of Holy Spirit. That's how he finishes the curse. Our immersion into assurance, the beloved Feelings that Abba has towards us and the Abba cry coming out from deep within us. In theological circles, we would call this finished curse, being finished already, not yet. 2 Corinthians 3, the last verse, verse 18, our glorious transformation comes from the Lord who is spirit. I like to say it like this. The check has already been written by Yeshua for the saved cosmos. Now you and I need to cash that check and initiate reclamation and colonization by the spirit as the pneumatikos, the spirit man of our original design. The finished work of Jesus is brought to its full manifestation and intention in the man who under the government of the paraclete has and is becoming, listen to this, the fully restored image bearer of the very Christ who finished the curse. I'm going to read that little part to you again because I know this is a lot. The check has already been written by Yeshua for a saved cosmos. Now you and I need to cash that check and initiate reclamation and colonization by the spirit as the pneumaticos spirit man of our original design. The finished work of Jesus is brought to its full manifestation and intention in the man who under the government of the paraclete has and is. Has and is becoming the fully restored image bearer of the very Christ who finished the curse. The man becomes a witness to the whole of creation that the great apocatastasis, it's a word for restoration, is happening. Now I'm going to read that again because this is the crux of where we're going to go probably in the next two days. The man becomes a first witness to the whole of the creation that the great apocatastasis restoration is happening. This is important. Me first, you first, us first is the announcement that the entire cosmos, to the entire cosmos, that indeed we are returning to our original intent by way of an immersion into the assurance of beloved identity. You first, me first, us first. Just a little room full of people. Because if something's first, it's not all inclusive yet. But it's an announcement that the first fruits have gathered with a light in their eyes that communicates they are finding out who they really are. Oh, me first, you first. Us first is the announcement to the entire cosmos that indeed we are returning to our original intent by way of an immersion into the assurance of beloved righteousness. Now, me first, you first, us first being an announcement to the entire cosmos, okay, that we're coming into our pre-designed intention is the framework of what I want to talk about tonight. The transition from law to grace is a necessary place to start, but not the right place to stop. The word grace is never mentioned in 2 Corinthians 3. However, the name spirit is mentioned five times. This is where the Bible says the law kills, but the spirit gives life and says that even to this day when the Jews read the Old Testament, their eyes are covered with a veil. This whole great teaching on the transition from the law to the next thing never talks about grace. It always talks about going from pedagogue to paraclete. From the schoolmaster, that is the law, to the liberty, that is the spirit. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Are you with me? Okay. Transition from law to grace is a necessary place to start, but not the right place to stop. The word grace is never mentioned in 2 Corinthians 3. However, the name spirit is mentioned five times. We must move from the torment of the pedagogue's government into the rest and glory that comes as a result of being fully governed by the paraclete. Pneumaticos. spirit man. The goal, after all, was not just to set us free from the consequences of sin, but rather to liberate you and I from a bankrupt identity. And the curse is not fully finished because you and I will not die and go to hell. The curse is fully finished when you and I look like the Christ. The curse, after all, was the loss of the walk. The loss of the walk as a result of the misconceptions Adam had concerning the nature of God. Sin made space for these misconceptions. And when fellowship and her offspring union were lost, so was the image. When fellowship and her offspring union were lost, so was the image. The forfeited fellowship produced the forfeited image. Therefore, the whole of the cosmos is waiting to see the image again. What is the image? It is the image of a son who looks just like his Abba. The curse is, in essence, the loss of the walk. Quit letting the impoverished Christianity of Western fundamentalists make the curse all about the legalistic notion of sin and a pagan interpretation of hell, or Hades, or Gehenna, or Tartarus, or Sheol, all of which are unfortunately translated as hell in the King James the Holy Spirit is baptizing us into an assurance that can only come by way of the revelation that we are loved with the exact same nature and measure of love that Abba has for his beloved Son, Jesus. Oh, the walk you and I are about to take from here. Oh, the renewal of unbridled fellowship and, yes, union. All authority, if it's going to be of the kingdom, must and I mean must, flow from this place of renewed fellowship and union. The restoration of the walk is the finishing of the curse. And the secondary consequence of this will be the cosmos is fully liberated from its chaos and futility. We're going to get those printed where you can have them and we can just read through them because I think it's a picture of where the father is taking the family as a whole into an understanding that what is happening in you, because this is what people want to do. People want to take what's happening in a group of people and they want to try to turn that towards evangelism and they want to try to turn it towards miracles and they want to try to turn it toward, it's breaking out over here and it's breaking out over there. All of that is fine and good. But when you have a long path revelation, you're able to fall as as deeply as is necessary into the beloved revelation righteousness, knowing that the end result of this will not be some people getting saved on Sunday morning. It'll be the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. It'll be the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is the journey we're on. And yes, progress is being made, but it's being made like leaven. The kingdom of God does not come like the 82nd Airborne Division it comes like a tiny mustard seed. That when it's placed in the ground, it doesn't seem noteworthy on any level. But if you can endure, the birds of the field will build their nest in its branches. If you can endure the birds of the field, You have endured. You have endured. I feel the glory. I'm telling you, I feel glory all over me right now. I've never felt this being here before, what I feel in here right now. I've never felt this before. I feel an ease. I feel a rest. Hallelujah. Now it's time to build. Now your builder sons will marry you. It's Isaiah 62. When you become Hephzibah and your land becomes Beulah, the next verse says, and your builder sons will marry you. <speaking in Hebrew> Whew, man. <speaking in Hebrew> wonder why this church has always been filled with builders. Ha, I wonder why this church has always been filled with builders. And now that those builders have become sons, there are going to be revenue streams that begin to come into this place. You're going to begin to see city officials gather to you and ask you what you would like to have done in certain parts of the city. And how can you share your vision with us and your hope with us as this seemingly Mustard seed place is now beginning to become something people can nest in. You're no longer a place where they just get snatched out. Although they will get snatched out. They will be delivered. They will be healed. But you're no longer just that place. Now you've become established. And your structure is perfect. Your honeycomb is in place. And now people are going to begin to nest here. People are going to relocate to nest here. People are going to relocate and they're going to nest here. They're going to nest here because they have found safety and security and stability in your willingness to continue to say yes to whatever process is necessary to allow the leaven to fill the whole of the lump of dough. The awesome name of Yeshua. Yeshua. Boy, I feel a prophetic witness in here. It's going to be a blast. Matthew 13. Woo. I'm going to read this Isaiah 62 thing first. I feel it all over you guys. I feel it all over this house right now. For Zion's sake, how can I keep silent? For Jerusalem's sake, how can I remain quiet? I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. When the message of righteousness begins to be declared with it is an announcement of a brand new day. Listen to it. I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn. When the revelation of righteousness begins to pierce hearts, it'll mean the dawning of a new day, not just for the the, the church at large, but for the individual and each individual coming into her dawning of a new day becomes an announcement to the whole of the cosmos. Her salvation is like a burning torch. Nations will see your victory vindication and every king will witness your blinding radiance. You will be called by a brand new name given to you from the mouth of Yahweh himself. You will be a beautiful crown held high in the hand of Yahweh, a royal crown of splendor held in the open palm of your God. Now, I want you to pay careful attention to this. You're a a crown held high in the hand of Yahweh. You're a royal crown, and you are a splendor. That word could be treasure. You are a treasure held in the open palm of your God. This is what you are. You are a treasure held in the open palm of your God. Anxious for what? Stressed about what? No, sir. The immersion into assurance is hidden in the revelation. You are so valued that he's placed you in his open hand. Watch the next part of this. this is a, the, Remember treasure in the open hand. We're going to go back there a little bit later your splendor held in the open palm of your God, you will never again be called the abandoned one. Nor will your land be called deserted. But you will be called my delight is in you, Hephzibah. Yes. You will be called my delight is in you and your land, my beloved wife. That's Beulah. Your are Hephzibah, your land is Beulah. Beulah simply means wife. Dr. Simmons translates it beautifully because Beulah and wife are two words that are actually interchangeable. So when he says, you will be called, my delight is in you, that's Hephzibah, and your land, my beloved wife, that's Beulah, for Yahweh finds his delight in you. Accept it. Believe it. Rejoice in it. And watch what happens next. Yahweh finds his delight in you and married your land. This is the most city-conscious church I have. Like, sometimes you want to go, hey, there's a difference between your church and your high school. And how do you, all you Ohio State fans deal with all this maze on your Streetsboro hats? y'all straight up got Michigan colors? Look, I just, somebody just, I don't even know if I can wear it anymore. How's, How's that work? How's the Ohio State hat go with the Streetsboro shirt? It's like schizophrenia. I don't know whether to hate or love myself. I've got both colors on right now. But the reason why, and I begin to ask the Lord of this, the reason why there's such a streets borough not everybody loves your, their city like this. Like, y'all don't have a bunch of Crestview crap in your church. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're called to the nations. We got Africa flags in our church. And so, but the, the, here's why. Here's what you need to begin to understand. When Hephzibah begins to be declared among this family here at the North Gate, Hephzibah begins to be declared, Beulah becomes the inheritance of your land. His delight is in you. The consequence of that is he marries your land. As a young man marries the young woman he loves, watch this, so your builder sons will marry you. You accept that his delight is in you. You accept that your name is Hephzibah. You accept that your land is now called Beulah. Watch this. Because you're Hephzibah. The place is significant because the person is significant, not the other way around. I'm going to teach you about this tonight. When we are talking about the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. There is no difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The reason the kingdom of heaven, the reason the kingdom of God is heaven is because it's God. It's the person that makes the place. It's not the streets of gold and the gates of pearl and the sea of glad. You take the person out, it's not heaven anymore. The reason Streetsboro is significant is because you're here. Because a mother and father have been planted and established here. A team have rallied around the call and destiny on their lives and said, let's do this. And now we begin to see this thing starting to really, really, really unfold. So next is your builder's sons will marry you. And as a bridegroom finds joy in his union with his bride, so will your God take joy in his union with you. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit now about the Hephzibah Beulah connection, and how significant it is for our land, listen to this, for you and I to accept the measure of delight he finds in us. And I had a dream um, Thursday night, early Friday morning, right before we were leaving to come here, Thursday night, Friday morning, don't know what time it was. If it was me having a dream, it wasn't Thursday, it was early Friday morning, because I wouldn't (laughs) have been in bed Thursday. But early Friday morning, I had a dream, and in the dream, I was in an all glass facility in the mountains. And I was speaking to what I knew to be a group of prominent leaders. And you, we were in the mountains and we were surrounded by mountains. It was all glass. You could, you, we were inside, but you could see out 360 degrees. I was sitting, sitting like I do here at a podium and I was leaning forward and I said this statement in the dream. I said, what happens if the treasure fails to realize that it's mesmerizing to the merchant? And I woke up from the dream, get my phone, do what I do, start watching this thing unfold. What would happen if the treasure failed to realize, actually, the, I use the word she, that she was mesmerizing to the merchant? And so let's go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, I feel like we've already gotten some things done. Beginning in verse 44, you guys have those? Perfect. Do you sit at this stool, Jimmy? You have a lower table? Is it Okay, I'm just checking. I don't know. When the service started, he's, we were standing right here, and he said, now, if you want to get up and exhort, there's a stair right there. And I said, I'm pretty sure... I can get up there without a stair, Jimmy, but (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to take one shot. He said, there's a stair right there. I said, that's a foot and a half, man. I'm pretty sure I'll just jump right on up there. (laughs) Matthew 13. I really do love him. Not as much as Tina, but I do love him. Y'all don't laugh. Y'all feel the same way by God. Y'all know you love Tina more. It's just now, yeah, everybody loves Tammy more than me. I don't argue with that. I just accept it. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Matthew 13, heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. He bought the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Heaven's kingdom realm, verse 45, is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. I'm going to read through all those again. Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it what would happen if the treasure failed to realize she was mesmerizing to the merchant now we're going to flip the story i i i am going to here's my disclaimer i do not remember reading this however i have read this so much that these these footnotes were probably in my subconscious during the dream so i don't want to act like i dr simmons flips this entire parable around And I'm going to read you you exactly what he says. Remember the dream the night before I left to come here. I've never taught on any of this before. But I had a dream the night before I came here that made me flip everything I had been preparing to minister here for weeks. Around this one idea. What would happen if the treasure failed to realize she was mesmerizing to the merchant? Here's Dr. Simmons' footnotes on what's happening here with the field, the treasure, the merchant, the pearl, and the selling up and giving everything to buy the entire field. The most accepted interpretation of this parable is that Jesus is the treasure. But Jesus taught, according to verse 38, that the field is the world. The allegory breaks down, for a believer doesn't sell all he has, parentheses works, and then buy the world to find Jesus, parentheses, the treasure, it is more plausible to view the hidden treasure as a symbol of you and me. Jesus is the man who sold all that he owned, leaving his exalted place of glory to come and pay for the sin of the whole world with his own blood just so he could have you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Just so he could have you his treasure. What would happen if the treasure failed to realize that she was mesmerizing to the merchant? Heaven's kingdom realm is experienced when we realize what a great price Jesus pays, places on our souls. For he gave his sacred blood for us. Now, now, there's a B footnote. The B footnote is connected to the next part of this in verse 45 that says, Heaven's kingdom realm was also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious, you'll see a B footnote if you have a passage translation by the word precious. The B footnote for precious is this. The Aramaic is unique. Jesus is the merchant. This is identified in Song of Solomon. Jesus is the merchant. Chapter 3, verse 6 of Song of Solomon. You are the unique pearl as his beloved. Now he has the word follower. You're going to need to scratch that out. Because the pearl was not a follower. And the hidden treasure was not a follower. But it was his beloved. And it didn't become his beloved because it was a faithful follower. It was his beloved and that preceded faithful following. If you don't get that order right, you are had bad, cowboy. Does that make sense in Ohio? You are had bad. Okay? This is one of the most unique houses I know of on the planet. The uniqueness of the Nature and the uniqueness of the passion and the uniqueness of the commitment to one another and the uniqueness of the strength of this house, the uniqueness of your honor. You stand out in so many regards, yet it's the the areas that you stand out in that make this a place where everybody doesn't fit. Because you've refused to lower the standard in order to be palatable to other people. We roll deep here. Yeah. This church comes hard in the paint. Okay? This church, come um, everything is like Kramer walking into the room and Seinfeld. It's every, praise the Lord, hallelujah, how are you, guys? Does that, does that feel right? Like this, there's, there's no, hey, come on in, welcome to the North Gate. Come on in, welcome to the North Gate. <laughs> We're going to get speed rushed on the edge every time you come to church. And, and, and so what happens is if you fail to recognize that it's your uniqueness that makes you precious, then you'll start to dare to believe you have to be polished in order to be valuable. Hallelujah. And the polish can actually cost you the uniqueness. I had a friend that attended the church in Mobile many years ago when I was just traveling before I was even married. He was at, I was actually at a baseball game with him the first time I saw Tammy. I tell the story of her walking by eating cotton candy and the Lord speaking to me that that was my wife. And we were married less than a year later. Didn't even know if she was saved. I didn't. I mean, I, she was hot. I knew she was hot. I didn't know if she was saved. And I knew I could do something about one of those things. I knew how to get people saved. I hadn't figured out how to make somebody hot yet, so I just I just used my gifts, you know. So, and 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 the man was uh, he was a, he played baseball at Texas A and M, and Texas A and M is also a military school. And there's a statue out in front of Texas A and M of a cadet. It's a bronze statue of a cadet, and it was the cadet's job every morning to get up some of the cadets and go polish that statue. They would take rags and they would pop up and they would put polish on. And what they did is they actually polished the features off of the statue. Because there were natural antioxidants in the statue that were supposed to keep it safe from the elements, but when they wanted it to shine, they actually robbed it from some of what was, hello, he that has the ears, what was innately present in the statue in order to keep it in this place of having features, of being significant, of being unique. And so what I love about the North Gate is you've not allowed yourself to be polished in order to be palatable to, you know, all the upper middle class white yuppie people that are looking for a certain type of experience on a Sunday morning. You've stayed who you are. And it's now you have the next generation that were three and four are now 13 and 14. They were 2 on their 12, they were seven, now they're 17, are beginning to come into the fullness of all that the Father, has designed them to be, and it's the uniqueness that has kept their appetite centered on Christ. It's your elevated Christology. Instead of it being people-centered, it's remained Christ-oriented for such a significant period of time. I applaud you for that. I want to I show you some things out of this parable that I think are important for this house, but I think they're important for our kingdom family at large. I've viewed this parable this way for quite some time, that Jesus is the merchant and we are the treasure. The reason I viewed it that way is because of verse 31 and verse 32. Can y'all put those up there for me? Matthew 13, 31. Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to a tiny, the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in the field. Okay, verse 33. Although verse 33 although the smallest of all the seeds it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants becoming a tree for birds to come and build their nest in the branches let's look at the next verse 2 then he taught them another parable heaven's kingdom realm can be paired to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour now that's the act of the holy spirit that's where the she comes from here she puts the yeast in he's the one that puts the seed in when the farmer goes out to scatter seed and some falls on good ground and some falls on strong ground, we know who the scatter of the seed is, the carrier of the word. So we have to hermeneutically, according to just good biblical interpretation, not all of a sudden take the one man and all of these parables in Matthew 13 and make that man us and make Jesus the treasure. We are the treasure. Jesus is the merchant that comes from another land is so mesmerized by the value of the pearl, i.e. treasure, that he literally gives up everything he's in possession of, perfect fellowship with the Father, living in the worship of the heavenly realm. He becomes the incarnation of the Word of God, and he literally, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you, he smuggles himself into our delusion and blows it up from the inside out with love. This is my definition of the incarnation. Jesus smuggles himself into the delusion we had had since Adam and blows our delusion up from the inside out with love. That's what he did. He didn't didn't make a legal contract with his father. He didn't come to appease the wrath of his father. He smuggled himself into our delusion and blew it up from the inside out with perfect love. So what we're going to find now in this switch in how we see the parable, and I want want to make sure I've helped you to see that, and Dr. Simmons' footnotes are better than anything I could do on that anyway. I want to say it like this. He plants us, and we grow and leaven the whole culture. But he plants us, all right? He finds the treasure hidden in the field. And according to Isaiah 62, the treasure... The splendor is held in the palm of God. Following it? It's present throughout lots. I have a lot of verses. I'm not going to give them all to you for the sake of time, but we are going to take a little bit of a trip tonight. Religion would love to let this story be a further validation for self-effort, i.e., we pay the price and give up everything and sell everything. No, We surrender to the revelation that we are mesmerizing to the merchant. And what happens if the treasure fails to recognize she's mesmerizing to the merchant? What are the impacts, not just for the treasure, but for the cosmos that is waiting for somebody to allow themselves to become Hephzibah, the one in whom the Lord takes delight? The land never becomes Beulah if the man never becomes Hephzibah. This is big. The land never becomes Beulah if the man never becomes Hephzibah. The most difficult thing maybe you will ever have to do as a believer is recognize from my current state he's mesmerized with me not if I prayed more, not if I fasted more, not if I wasn't struggling with issues, not if I wasn't addicted, not if I lost 100 pounds, not if I had a better job, not if my kids were serving the Lord, not if my marriage hadn't failed, but right where you are, still buried in dirt, you mesmerize the merchant. (sighs) Feel it? Right where you are covered in filth, you are currently mesmerizing to the merchant. And what if that became the new evangelistic hermeneutic? You know what would be the result? The goodness of God would bring men to repentance. Not clean yourself up and do good for the next 10 years and then maybe the merchant will be somewhat interested in you as long as you stay on track. No, he's mesmerized with you while you're filthy. And it's the only legitimate way for you to ever become one held as splendor in the hand of God. It's what you were born for. It's what you were you were born to be held as one identified as splendor, treasure, a pearl of great price in the hand of God. Now, I feel it. Here's here's the quote from the dream. I hope I've been getting it right. What if the treasure failed to accept that she mesmerized the merchant? What if the treasure failed to accept that she mesmerized the merchant? That's what I said in the dream. Beloved identity is you and I finally accepting the measure to which we are mesmerizing to the merchant. Beloved identity is you and I accepting the measure to which we are mesmerizing to the merchant. That's what we mean when we say beloved identity. We don't mean God loves us. Because you got a group of people that are hearing what we're saying and they're going, I already knew about the love of God. The fact that you said that means you know nothing of the love of God. If you think when you hear this, yeah, I got that, then I know you don't have it or you wouldn't be changing the subject to anything else. Because one of these messages is infinite. It's love. One of these messages is going to save the world. It's love. One of these messages sets you free from self-effort, and it's love. It's not love and then move on to something that seems more practical. Any practicality you and I are intended to function in that doesn't come out of love will never have the intended impact it was supposed to have anyway, and it will become more self-righteousness, which is nothing more than you and I attempting to upright ourselves. That's the definition of self righteousness. Many times it doesn't mean prideful and arrogant and thinking you've got it down. Many times it means you have failed to understand that He is the one who uprights you. There is no point in the narrative where it's the job of the treasure to get the dirt off of itself, it's the job of the treasure to accept the fascination of the eyes of the merchant even while she's not in a state that she seems like she should be mesmerizing oh if we could get oh if we could get the world to understand that message we couldn't build buildings big enough to hold them and we're headed there i said we're headed there oh. beloved identity is you and i finally accepting the measure to which we are mesmerizing to the merchant Listen to this. A failure to do so could cause us to miss the glory of the exchange. Now go back to the original quote from the dream. What if the treasure failed to accept that she mesmerized the merchant? Beloved identity is you and I finally accepting the measure to which we are mesmerizing to the merchant. A failure to do so could cause us to miss the glory of the exchange. And maybe that is hell. to miss the glory of what was made available because of a price Jesus paid with the Father in the Spirit by themselves for you and I. You can't stop the exchange from happening, but you can miss out on the glory of it if you don't get around some teaching and some presence that makes you feel worth something even in the state you're in. And religion is a further announcement of your worthlessness. And then they try to use your sense of worthlessness to measure you into more self-effort to try to further the cause of the vision of the church. And people are miserable in that world, and people are caught in cycles of dysfunction in that world because we've not done anything to help you deal with the bankruptcy of your with 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 the bankruptcy of your identity. Who are you? Mesmerizing to the merchant. But you don't know what I was doing. I didn't, which's not what we're here to talk about. I want you to show me good behavior on behalf of the treasure. Or the fact that the treasure knew it was treasure before the merchant identified it. <laughs> All authentic treasure is by nature hidden. From coal to diamonds. If it's valuable, it's hidden from gold to silver. If it's valuable, it's hidden. Why did Yahweh take all the valuable stuff and hide it? Because to him, you're holy. And by definition, holy, listen to this, is to be rescued from common gaze. to be so unique and distinct that you are not allowed to be viewed casually. You're going to have to want it to find it. You're going to have to look for it to uncover it. You're going to have to dig to find it. And here's what he says. I will not stop digging until you and I come into agreement that you are treasure. I'll dig around your religion. Come on, I'll dig around your emotions. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll make you feel like everything's falling apart. It'll make you feel like everything's coming. Who am I talking to? Everything's coming apart at the seams. How are we going to make it another day? And what you don't realize is he's spading around you to let you know that I have been digging for you. And I will not stop digging because right now you and I don't agree about you. And I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm going to dig until you start to agree with me that you are treasure. There's greatness in you. Oh, you feel it? So I, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, you're being revealed. And, and at first revealed feels like a spade shovel coming at you. And if you don't understand it, you'll say, just leave me down here. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Woe is me. I'm worthless. And he'll say, we can stop there if you want to. But I've got some uncovering on my heart, says the Lord and I'll spade around you. I'll dig around you. I'll prod you. I'll wreck you. I'll rock you. I'll mess with the stuff around you. I'm going to preach the stuff that was connected to you. I'm going to disconnect it from you with my spade. And people you thought would always be next to you, I'm going to shovel them out just to get to the point that you and I agree about the fact that you are of immense value. I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying to some people in this room right now tonight, the stuff I'm removing away from you is not not because you don't have value, but because you are so valuable that I won't let anything dirty touch you and keep you from being who I designed you to be. So I say, Holy Spirit, dig on. Dig on, because I want to agree. I don't want there to be any part of me that doesn't agree that I am treasure hidden in a field. I'm struggling, but I'm treasure. I got doubts, but I'm treasure. Oh, I I can't seem to get free right here, but I'm treasure, but I'm treasure, but I'm treasure. Hear this gospel decree from this storefront building in Ohio tonight. This is not just a random gathering of people. These are people that have said yes to the spade. Take it away from me. I know I feel secure when all that's around me, and I know I feel insecure when you start digging, but I trust you. That if you're disconnecting stuff around me, it's for me. I came all the way to Ohio to tell somebody, let him dig. Just let him dig. Come on, friend, trust him and let him dig. And let him dig. Just trust him and let him dig. Love is digging around you right now because you've settled for the wrong definition of who you are. So just let him dig. Just let him dig. It may be uncomfortable right now, but it's going to be worth it because in a little while, he is going to unveil you and you are going to shock you about how glorious you are as the splendor held in the hand of Almighty God. Hi, y'all. Right here. Right here in the hand of God. You found the sweet spot, Northgate. You're right here in the hand of God. I feel it, Northgate. You are the sweet spot. You're right here in the hand of God. And people look at it and go, well, Yo, you guys seem so free. You seem so happy. You seem so at rest. You seem so in love. The marriages in this church are amazing. How are your kids so on fire for God? Somebody said, Spade me. Dig around me spade to cut away some things from me in order for me to be who it is that you designed me to be just keep on digging holy spirit i trust you i trust you i trust you turn me over i trust you turn me upside down i trust you shake me i trust you that the end result of this is i am going to have to agree with what you say concerning me i am the head and not the tail the first and not the last, above only and not beneath a lender, not a bar. I am loved with the same nature and measure of love that the Father has for his beloved Son, Jesus. I am loved like Abba loves Jesus. For in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. You have moved into the day where you are held in his hand. And when people ask you how you learned to shine, you'll not be able to give them a roadmap, but you will be able to teach them about surrender. Dig around me. Dig around. I don't feel like I'm supposed to say anything else tonight, but I feel like we need to dim the lights, get the worship team back up here. I am not in love love enough with my teaching to try to shut this flow down right now. I feel like there is grace all over this room for people to simply surrender to the spade of perfect love. You understand spade. I'm in Ohio. We understand spade. That spade that comes. That blade that comes. That shovel that comes. Where'd the people go? Why is it ending up like this? Why am I struggling? Why is this difficult? Why am I I having all this internal conflict? I'm saying to you, just start playing as quickly as y'all can. As quickly as you can. To start with, I don't really care about a song. Just play what's in your guts, Ty. I want you guys to scoot back this way for me. We're not just like moving into a season of praise and worship. Thank you, BB. We're going to give people space. Listen, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Jimmy, Tina, stand here tonight as this this representation of the ones who are going, this is actually starting to be fun. I'm actually, starting to enjoy this. I've got my daughter up here leading worship with me. My son becoming the fullness of all the Father has designed him to be, free from pain in his body. Just getting more whole every single day. This ain't bad, friend. This ain't bad. And you say, how'd they get there? I'm telling you. Sometimes, on behalf of the King, I held the spade, and it's hard when you're a father to dig around them but you know there's more in there so you just keep on digging around just say they're going to have to go I know you love them but they are keeping you from shining so I'm going to dig them away I'm going to separate them from you I love them too but I got to separate them from you because I'm going to pull you out of that hiding place and I'm going to reveal you to this city and I'm going to reveal you to this region and they are going to see the witness of your glow and they're not going to be changed by your structure they are going to witness the glory of your structure and it's your glory that's going to invite them into this family. I just, I feel, I don't, I had no idea this was going to happen, but I feel the glory of the Lord in you. (sighs) One of the shortest messages I've ever preached in my life, but I am not running away from this glory because somebody's being dug around. He's just digging around you and you didn't know what it was about. And you didn't know what the restlessness was about. And you didn't know what the I can't understand or figure this out was all about. And he's here saying to you tonight, this was about you and I agreeing that you are mesmerizing to the merchant. You are mesmerizing to the merchant. If you feel like he's digging around you. And this word is for you tonight. If you feel like he's digging around you, I want you to get out of your seat and come. From wherever you are, from all over the room, I want you to get out of your seat. Come as far forward as you can and say yes to the process of perfect love causing us to agree that we are mesmerizing to the merchant. Dig. Just let him dig. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm not gonna fight this anymore. Oh, I came to agree with you tonight, King Jesus. I mesmerize you. So dig whatever you gotta dig. Cause I mesmerize you. Woo, come on, come on, find some space all over the room. Just let him dig. Let him dig. ¡Viva la mamá! ¡Viva la mamá! ¡Viva la mamá! Listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.